Welcome to another episode of Kiss My Mic. Our theme this month is Chef's Table. To honor the many amazing chefs, culinary experts, food bloggers, home cooks, and foodies all over the world. My guest today is culinary storyteller Hugh Gray. As a foodie, you received the 2021 Breakout Storyteller of the Year Award from Taste Awards, and she has a brand and IG page, Le Petit Belle it Eats. So we'll find out more about her journey. Um, and aside from that, she's also a documentary filmmaker, a former producer for Disney and CNN, and a community leader. So that's a lot of accolades. Um, you, so thank you so much for for gracing my, my podcast with your presence. And welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, no, I I, I, um, I know you're super busy, so I, I am really appreciative of your time. So I guess, you know, without uh, further ado, if, you, if you're okay, I'll get right to the first question for you. you. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, you know, the, the first question I have is really about your, your food journey. So, you know, being a culinary storyteller, if you can share a little bit about how you got started in, in this okay. path. Yeah. Yeah, so um, kind of kind of like you, Mike, like I am from the South. And mm-hmm. so there is, um, where I grew up is in Waycross, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And so the food that I grew up with was um, soul food, like fried chicken and car- collard greens, <laughs> as well as the food of my uh, family's culture, which is Vietnamese. And so mm-hmm. growing up, I had a combination of the Southern and the Vietnamese, and that's kind of um, influenced how um, I view food view food as this, you know, as a melting pot of um, different cultures. And so um, growing up, um, because I was in like a small southern town, where I got a lot of my food influence was from uh, watching public television like PBS. Mm -hmm. And that is when I would watch shows like Julie Child and all these food and travel shows. And that is what really gave me the travel and food bug and that was when I like really was able to experience foods outside of um, my small town in yeah Waycross Georgia mm-hmm. and so I've always been fascinated by food like growing up I was probably the only kid in my class that knew what truffle oil was mm-hmm. or um, you know all these different like gourmet ingredients like I like to think that I was like a foodie before that even became like a popular um, term and um, and so that stayed with me throughout um, college. And when I um, worked at CNN, I had the fortune to um, the great fortune to work with the great Anthony Bourdain mm-hmm. with um, his show on CNN called Anthony Bourdain Parts Unknown. And so that solidified even more my culinary storytelling. And um, when I kind of um, Yes, struck, struck out when I went out on my own to do my own um, producing and my own independent projects. Like that really stayed with me, and really wanting to, you know, tell 
stories um, through food, but not only, um, like, I, I feel my storytelling is at the intersection of culture and food and how it uh, brings people together. Yeah, wow, that's uh, that's a great uh, journey, you know, uh, being in the South and then being exposed to Southern food, but also, um, you know, the, the Vietnamese culture is, is really mm-hmm. part of, of your um, your background. And then with your work experience also with Anthony Bourdain. So I guess, um, let me let me ask you on the first point about um, the blend of different cultures, you know, like the Southern food and mm-hmm. and, the, and the Vietnamese, um, you know, heritage. So let me let me go back to your first point about um, southern food and and Vietnamese uh, culture. What does that mean for you? Being able to um, see the intersection of of very different cultures and and also what are some of the similarities and maybe differences as well that you mm-hmm. can can think of? Yeah, I think um, you know I think with food, especially around the kitchen table, um, especially with different cultures, it's really interesting to realize that what we think um, is different. There's a lot of similarities in, you know, different cultures. Like, um, like even though Southern food and Vietnamese food may seem so, um, so different, but there are also similarities. And that's mm-hmm. what I find uh, fascinating about um, all different cultures around the world, even though they can be so different, but there's a lot of similarities. Just like, for example, um, one dish that I love to make is um, like my version of shrimp and grits. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, grits is a very, um, very Southern thing. And I love grits. And um, I use um, a preparation that my mother makes for the shrimps, like a Vietnamese-style stir-fried shrimp, and I kind of, like, combine the two together. And so that's kind of like an example of how, you know, Southern meets uh, Vietnamese food and how it goes so well together. And you know, and there's so many different similarities, too. Um, we have our own version of, like, fried chicken, um, and we use, like, fish sauce to season the fried chicken. Um, yeah, so that's, I, for me, as a culinary storyteller, I'm, I'm always looking to find those similarities that um, we think may not exist, and, like, food is the perfect um, common denominator for that. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree. And and you're right. There's so many similarities more than more than differences, you know, to be to be honest. And so I think um on the Vietnamese uh culture and also the food, if you can share a little bit about your thoughts on how I guess currently um, you know, Vietnamese cuisine is perceived and then what are some of the go to menus that um people may not know of or mm-hmm. Or just you know, just things that we definitely have to to try and 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 know about. Yeah, I think you know, I think Vietnamese cuisine has come a long way in mainstream, um, yeah, in mainstream kitchen kitchens. Um, you know, there's everyone knows what a bang mi sandwich is. Everyone, yeah. you know, 
when they think of Vietnamese food, they automatically think of pho. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I feel Vietnamese food is has become almost a part of you know American cuisine. Like everyone has been exposed to it, you know. And I think the main ingredient, um, the quintessential thing that really makes a dish Vietnamese is the fish sauce. Mm-hmm. And my mother has this saying about fish sauce, like, you're not uh, Vietnamese unless you have, like, fish sauce, like, running in your veins. <laughs> like, that is how, like, essential fish sauce is to our um, our cuisine and to our culture. And I think um, other dishes that people are becoming a little more familiar with is... Um, is Bumba Wei, which is a um, spicy beef noodle soup, and um, the Wei is the um, city that it originated from in Vietnam. And I feel that's um, a dish that's becoming a lot more popular too. And we also have the, um, of course, the fresh spring rolls. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> gosh, there's. So much, yeah, like, um, especially coffee, Vietnamese coffee is also, I think, having, like, a big um, moment. Um, I, I don't think people realize how um, how much coffee we grow in Vietnam, but there's so many these um, different um, companies that are um, bringing Vietnamese coffee to America. So I think, you know, Vietnamese food is definitely um, gaining popularity in, you know. Yeah. You know, I have to check it out next time. Uh, Vietnamese coffee, like you know, I was listening to um, the different suggestions that you have. You know, the banh mi and the pho, mm-hmm. and you know, like okay, check, check. I've done it. I've done it. Coffee. That's one yeah. thing I, I've got to try. Is it is it stronger or what's what? How would you describe it? Um, I would say Vietnamese coffee is um, the what makes it. Um, special or what makes it distinct is how it's prepared like it's um, we streets we sweeten our coffee with condensed sugar and that's uh, yeah wow. that's thing that um, is yeah, unique to the Vietnamese coffee we have like a really thick layer of um, condensed milk in the glass. And then mm-hmm. we have, uh, we use kind of a drip method where we put the coffee in and then uh, let it slowly um, drip. And we mm-hmm. usually drink our um, Vietnamese coffee um, iced. Iced. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. There's just so many things to, new, new things to learn every day. So, you know, thanks for sharing that. And, you know, I hope that listeners will try it as well. Yeah. So you, before I, I ask you about um, your um, your brand, Le Petit um, Belle Eats. Um, so, so while we're still on, on the food conversation, so there's a lot of, you know, I'm already getting hungry, actually. I, I just had <laughs> dinner, but I'm, <laughs> I'm still I'm getting hungry again. So outside, I guess my question is, outside of Southern food and Vietnamese food, what else are your go-to cuisine? What what other favorites do you have? You know, whether it's cuisine or or just a dish as well. Mm-hmm. I um I absolutely love um, Italian food and Japanese mm-hmm. food, and it's funny whenever I travel to these different countries like um, like Italy or Japan or um, or or Paris. 
for grants, yeah. I um, I always make it a point to go to the little ethnic enclaves, like the little Saigons, and where the immigrants are, where the refugees are, um, especially like the Vietnamese diaspora. And so I try to seek out um, Vietnamese restaurants when I'm like in Italy or in France, and it's and it's interesting to um, you know taste you know, my cuisine that I grew up in a different country and how they've kind of um, adapted it to, you know, this new place. And so I, Mm -hmm. as a traveler, I find it very um, fascinating how, um, yeah, how the cuisine is translated to different, um, other different countries. It's actually interesting because that was my follow-up question is how, how different are, are they? So if you go to France, Versus our, you know, Vietnamese food here in the U.S. You know, I mean, is, is there any? Are there any kind of immediate things that you can think of that's that that um, strikes you as a different? Yeah, it's um, it's funny. Whenever I go to a different country and I get homesick, so I always go to like a Vietnamese rest restaurant, and it all in everywhere I go in every country when I go to a Vietnamese restaurant, it always feels like I'm home and because I'm able to speak Vietnamese to the Vietnamese owner and and so it makes me feel less like a tourist and more uh, more as a citizen of the world and so that's something that um, I love to do and in terms of how like the food is different like um when I was in um, Paris, like I would go, to, I went to several different uh, Vietnamese restaurants, and one of the biggest thing I noticed is um, when they serve pho, like the noodles are so much thicker and chewier. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if maybe it's they have um, you know different companies that they use for the noodles, but that's something that I can never find back in the U.S. Is that same style of um, noodles that they use um, using Europe. Yeah. And and when I was in Italy and um, eating Vietnamese food there, the main difference that I noticed is how how the restaurant um, describes the different Vietnamese um, dishes in terms of that local culture, you know, like they'll um, they'll use um, one they'll for example, like they'll use like Italian terms for um, to describe Vietnamese food, and I thought that was mm-hmm. just so um, just so fascinating. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's it, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's just so so amazing. I mean, I think it's it's really good to see the world, right? To see mm-hmm. to learn more and. Not just about our own culture, but others as well. Um, so that's amazing. And I know that you've done a lot of work. Um, I know that you've written articles and, you know, you you had a film as well, I think, that you filmed in, in Paris. Mm-hmm. So, so so maybe talk a little bit about the, that journey as well, you know, the, the filmmaking. Um, yeah, you know, um, you know, I think it's, it's Quan 13, right? That's the mm-hmm. yeah. documentary. So how did it come about? And, you know, and maybe what's the key message um, of the film? Oh, sure. Um, so I so I consider Paris my muse. And I didn't get bitten by the travel bug until I was well into my 30s. 
And so I was a late bloomer to the whole like food and travel thing, but I've always enjoyed food and, you know, always enjoyed telling stories. And um, the first time I came to Paris, like I didn't know that much for me. I just had like the typical like tourist knowledge of Paris cuisine being, you know, baguettes, croissants, quiche, and it wasn't until I actually traveled there that I realized that there were so many different vibrant immigrant communities in Paris that you don't um, even realize unless you get off the, you know, beaten path. And one of this is, you know, Quan 13 or Wang Lubao, which is like the Asian quarter in Paris. Like, I didn't even realize that um, there was, you know, an Asian um, district in Paris. And so when I went there, it was this like vibrant, like Vietnamese community. And I, and I knew I wanted to, you know, tell their stories and like bring, yeah, bring awareness of this vibrant um, Vietnamese diaspora to, to the whole world. And so that's kind of um, where that um, Mm -hmm. impetus for it came from. Yeah, such important work and, you know, very important to to bring awareness and to really connect uh, people through food. I mean, I think with food alone, there's so much to talk about, mm-hmm. right? I mean, um, it's always my favorite topic. So I guess um, my next question for you you is, um, you know, your your brand, uh, Le Petit Belle Eats. Mm-hmm. So how did that come about? Yeah, so, um, you know, the, again, I am, you know, a huge Francophile, like I love, and so that's where the French part comes, like La Petite Belle, uh, which mm-hmm. means like small, um, small lady, because I am pretty, you know, big personality, but pretty small in stature. And, um, and yeah, and so that brand really, for me, represents like who I am as mm-hmm. you know, a storyteller of like merging all of my interests of the food and travel and also my own distinct um, style, visual style that I think um, I definitely bring that separates me from, you know, everyone else but because I have that production experience of working for these media companies so my production level and my standards are always um, pretty high so. mm-hmm. yeah I mean it's amazing you know the the photos that you have and the, you know the the visual quality mm-hmm. so um, yeah I think you were talking about um, your Instagram journey you know social media as a whole and and how it became part of your, um, I guess, culinary journey as well? Oh, um, <laughs> um, yeah, so now, you know, I started on Instagram, but now I'm, I've been able to um, branch off from that, going into, like, the documentary filmmaking and mm-hmm. now um, going into um, television writing and um, hopefully, you know, pitching my shows and um, getting them on air. And so that's kind of the um, the journey of where this has taken mm-hmm. me, you know, from social media to um, documentary filmmaking and um, eventually to um, getting a television show on air. Wow, that is that is so inspiring, so amazing, um, you know, the work that you're doing. I think it's it's, it's a good reminder for for people like me and others as well to, 
keep on going, right? You mm-hmm. know, um, continuing the journey. Let me ask you on that because you have many different aspects of your of your career of your journey. Mm-hmm. You you worked on uh, as a producer before, and then you started in, on your own, you know, with your own company, and mm-hmm. you know you have your brand on IG, and now you're focusing on. Um, you know, broader things as well. Mm-hmm. How was it really um, transitioning from one from one thing to another? I mean, you know, I can just imagine like, you know, it could be scary, but, you know, mm-hmm. how, how was it for you? And what are some of the things that you, you can take, you know, take away from those experiences? Um, you know, the, um, so, so, you know, the pandemic, that kind of um, pretty much changed the whole world for for everyone and it had to make everyone pretty much um you know pivot and especially if you were on social media it was it was kind of you know tone deaf like how can you talk about food and travel when everyone is um quarantining and you know staying in their homes and so I really um, had to learn how to pivot and one way of doing that was um, transitioning into um, into the tv writing and then um, yeah I spent a lot of time during the pandemic um, writing television scripts about stories of the Asian American experience in the South with elements of food. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of um, how I was able to kind of deal with that period. And now um, I think we're in a period where, for me, taking these ideas and um, making them a reality. Yeah, wow, amazing. So as, as you continue on your journey on the writing aspect and filmmaking, um, what are some of the key messages that you want to convey to the world? Oh, I, I think my biggest, I think the biggest message is, um, oh, let me think about this, is, um, is about um, starting over, about, um, because I was, you know, for the longest time, uh, producer at CNN and, you know, and transitioning from going behind the camera to um, being in front of the camera and that, you know, that your journey is never a linear path and that there's mm-hmm. going to be, you know, roadblocks and, um, and it will take you in unexpected places that you never thought you would go on you know when I yeah when I left CNN I never thought in a million years that I would um, be a food influencer on social media I never thought that I would have you know produced and directed a food documentary and now I never thought that I would you know be writing um, yeah these television projects and um, yeah to just be open to the unexpected and um, that there will be many chapters in the story of your life. Wow, well said. Yeah, definitely powerful, good message to be open to, um, you know, different possibilities. So I guess um, fun questions. So um, do you have any dream collaborators or you know as you pursue your Mm -hmm. 
um, your, your next step in your career. Um, you mentioned you, you, you've worked with so many of them already, like Anthony Bourdain when, when you were on CNN. So as you move forward, are there any other artists or culinary experts or, ex, you know, like people um, out there that you would like to collaborate with? Mm-hmm. I think, and you know, I think the culinary media world is definitely experiencing a, um, a a shift, a change, you know, because of, you know, of, um, you know, Black Lives Movement and with the Me Too movement, like the culinary world itself is, you know, having a reckoning. And a lot of the gatekeepers that, you know, used to exist are slowly being um, tumbled down. And the people, you know, that were telling these stories were, you know, a certain image. And now is an opportunity for people of color and people who actually, you know, create this food to um, tell the stories. And so I think it's such an amazing opportunity right now in food media. And some of the um, people that I would um, love to collaborate with is um, definitely like the James Beard Foundation. Like they've made so much, um, yeah, they've done so much to increase diversity in food media as well as um, mentoring chefs. So that's one um, collaborator that I would love to work with. Um, food and Wine, Bon Appetit. Um, I would love to collaborate with CNN again. Like they've had mm-hmm. some successful uh, food and travel shows lately. And yeah, I think it's just ripe for new voices to um, start telling food stories. So Yeah. Oh my, yeah, I'm so excited for you, you. Um, so I can't wait to see all of those things happen for you. I think the as we g- get to the end of our conversation, I know you talk about, um, you know, like representation in the communities, mm-hmm. right? And I know, I think currently you, um, you work in the space as well, right? You know, community building mm-hmm. and leadership. So why is that important to you? And I guess, what are the things that... Um, what what are we trying to accomplish as well yeah as a um you know as a you know as my profession being like a journalist like i worked a lot with the um asian american journalist association and so being able to work with um you know, reporters and producers of color and um, being able to, like, promote events that are, like, forums and panels for, like, anti-Asian hate and everything. And I think as a journalist, like, we have a lot of power in the stories that we tell and that we pitch. And the fact that I, you know, also come um, from, like, a culinary kind of storytelling, like, how do we, you know talk about you know food beyond just doing like restaurant reviews or anything like that and so for me um yeah I've done a lot of community like activism especially um on the media side so Mm -hmm. that's amazing I'm definitely a supporter and a fan so um kudos to you for all the success I guess you I know um this has been really helpful very great discussion um, one final question that I have for you is maybe your advice to younger people out there, other people out there who are also interested in pursuing 
you know, the, the same path that you, you did? Yeah, I think, you know, as as an immigrant and as, you know, a Vietnamese American, um, you're kind of taught by your parents to always take, you know, the easy path to become like a doctor or a lawyer. So becoming a journalist and becoming a storyteller is definitely, um, definitely a risk. And um, I would tell, you know, the younger generation to, to take that risk. And, um, you know, sometimes you have to go against your parents' wishes and, mm. you know, and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I would say definitely, um, yeah, pursue, you definitely, like, pursue your dreams, you know. Um, for me, as, you know, I was on that path, too. I was supposed to go, I was pre-med, I was supposed to be a doctor. But, you know, I just, I just knew that was not what I wanted to do. And so that, mm -hmm. and so I majored in journalism and, and also creative writing, poetry. And, um, I knew that the only way my parents would be happy was if I like succeeded in my field. And so, you know, working at CNN was definitely the pinnacle of that. And so, um, I would say if you're going to, you know, pursue your dreams, make sure you, you know, work as hard as you can and um, and you have to definitely stand out and mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, great message. Yeah. Work hard, stand out and follow your passion and, and your dream. So, um, you, thank you. Um, how can people support you more? Oh, wow. Um, definitely, you know, follow my Instagram at lapitipikbao um, underscore eats is um, probably the best way um, to help support. And I'm hoping to get um, Quan 13 into um, schools like high schools and colleges so that into their curriculum. So whenever they talk about immigrant experience and refugee experience, that this will be able to be like a teaching tool that um, teachers can use to really uh, bring alive the um, the concepts and everything. So, Absolutely. And with that, um, I guess, you know, maybe some last words? Oh, gosh, last words. Um, to always be curious and to always take... Um, the last path. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a perfect way to end our conversation. You always be curious and take the less that beaten path. Sorry, to always um, be curious and take the less beaten path. Um, you have such a wonderful path that you've taken. Um, I'm I'm hundred percent sure that you know we'll see more from you. So. I'm looking forward to supporting you and seeing more um, about your um, projects in the future. So thank you so much. And thank you to all our listeners.